You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, The Reverse Life. Reversal by David Eagleman. There is no afterlife, but that doesn't mean we don't get to live a second time. At some point, the expansion of the universe will slow down, stop, and begin to contract. And at that moment, the arrow of time will reverse. Everything that happened on the way out will happen again, but backward. In this way, our life neither dies nor disintegrates, but rewinds. In this reverse life, you're born of the ground. At funeral ceremonies, we dig you up from the earth and transport you grandly to the mortuary where the birth makeup is removed. You are then taken to the hospital where, surrounded by doctors, you open your eyes for the first time. In your daily life, Broken vases reassemble. Meltwater freezes into snowmen. Broken hearts find love. Rivers flow uphill. Marriages re-ride rocky roads and eventually end in erotic dating. The pleasures of a lifetime of intercourse are relived, culminating in kisses instead of sleep. Bearded men become smooth-faced children who are sent to schools to gently strip away the original sins of knowledge. Reading, writing, and mathematics are expunged. After this diseducation, graduates shrink and crawl and lose their teeth, achieving the purity of the highest state of the infant. On their last day, howling because it is the end of their lives, Babies climb back into the wombs of their mothers, who eventually shrink and climb back into the wombs of their mothers, and so on, like concentric Russian dolls. In this reverse life, you have blissful expectations about what will come next as you experience your story backward. At the moment of reversal, you are genuinely happy. For while life must be lived forward the first time, you suspect it will really be understood only upon replay. But you have a painful surprise in store. You discover that your memory has spent a lifetime manufacturing small myths to keep your life story consistent with who you thought you were. You have committed to a coherent narrative misremembering little details and decisions and sequences of events. On the way back, the cloth of that storyline unravels. Reversing through the corridors of your life, you are battered and bruised in the collisions between reminiscence and reality. By the time you enter the womb again, you understand as little about yourself as you did your first time here.
Monday. Eternal recurrence is a theory that holds that since matter is finite and time is infinite, we are destined to live out our lives over and over infinitely. For some reason, the theory of recurrence, or maybe just repetition in general, is often on my mind when visiting with my family. Tonight we're celebrating the Jewish New Year together, and every year it's the same. Same food, same arguments, and same feeling of collar-clutching indigestion. For me, the New Year always involves a process of mentally flipping through the previous year's Rolodex of days in order to strenuously regret every one of them. And so, for the high holidays, I look back, beat myself up a bit, make mental notes towards future apologies, promise myself I'll do better next year, and then do my best to move forward, which entails getting together with family and eating large plates of boiled meat, which is where I'm at now. For the most part, my family and I chew our food in relative silence, but occasionally the silence is broken with an attempt at conversation. You know what was a good movie, my father asks out of nowhere? Spartacus. Spartacus was a good movie. Chewing. Silence. Did you hear about the actor from Desperate Housewives who got arrested for killing his girlfriend's cat, my uncle asks? There's no such thing as bad publicity, my mother adds. Something like that puts you on the map. Yeah, I say. From killing your girlfriend's cat, it's only a matter of time before you're invited to perform with the Royal Shakespeare Company. More chewing. More silence. Finally, I decide to do my bit for keeping the volleyball of dinner chit-chat aloft. Did you know, I offer, that the French version of the six million dollar man was called the three million dollar man? What's up with that? Silence, chewing, chopped liver spreading, coleslaw scooping. And in this way, with our hearts full of hope and our mouths full of brisket, we usher in the new year, hoping that this time around, against all odds, we will get it right. Tuesday. Gregor calls up convinced he's figured out the cause of all my problems. Foolishly, I ask, what problems? You know those dream catchers, he asks? It's like you've got one hanging over your head, but instead of dreams, it catches problems. Again, foolishly, I ask him to tell me what will cure me of all of these problems. And as it turns out, his solution involves going backwards in time. All the way back, in fact to our caveman roots. Barefooting. What? All right, Johnny, I don't know if you're aware of the culture at large around you. I'm going to guess not. But lately, the tide has kind of turned against the running shoe companies. People's eyes have been opened to the fact that there's been a massive conspiracy afoot. Pun intended. Mm -hmm. You know what that conspiracy is? People don't need sneakers. In fact, sneakers are not just unnecessary and expensive. They're wrecking your life. They're wrecking your back. All your problems, like that you can't sleep and you grind your teeth at night. I don't... I, and you can't sustain relationships what, and you can't hold a job. All that stuff comes down to your feet. I, you I, I think that might be an exaggeration. I used to be that guy, just like you. I'd go swimming with my shoes on. No, I, I don't, don't go swimming with my shoes on. I go nude-footed into the pool. 
and I'm much happier for it. I'm not. You know, I knew you were going to get defensive about this because of your platform shoes. I know, I know, I know. What platform shoes? I know you're a little insecure about your height. I have no issue. Listen, a lot of short men have been successful in history, like Napoleon and Tim Conway. It doesn't make any difference. I don't wear platform shoes. Okay, you don't wear platform shoes. Can we have a fresh start here? Mm -hmm. You are like an antelope. Once you take off your shoes, blammo. You're going to be springing up and down the halls at work. Everyone's going to say, hey, who's the new guy? Who's that young guy with a full head of hair springing around? King of the jungle. An antelope is not king of the jungle. Lions eat antelopes. You're not king of the jungle. You're in the royal family. Everyone can't be king. Okay, only one all right. King. So you're suggesting that I start showing up to work barefoot. And you've got to show it off. Flaunt it. Say so you're having a big meeting, a big, long table, right? Big board meeting at work. Uh-huh. You sit back in your chair, and you put your bare feet up on the table. Cross your ankles. That's offensive. Like, like, you know, and you could you could end up stepping on a rusty nail or a lit cigarette. You think MC Hammer worried about stepping on tax? Why are you always comparing me to MC Hammer? You're too good to be compared to MC Hammer. MC mm-hmm. Hammer had pants made of gold. No, no, I'm not. I'm not four carat gold lame. Well, that's w- he had like 135 Ferraris with like a waterfall inside one of them. Or but do you understand? That's why I'm not. I'm. I don't deserve to be compared to him. Why? Because you want to ride in the bus for the rest of your life with your shoes laced up all the way to your knees? Look, I'm fine with my life the way it is, riding oh, sure. the bus oh, sure. with shoes. Yeah, you're happy on the bus. There's... Let me tell you something, Johnny. They don't make buses with waterfalls inside them. Okay. Remember I told you about that extra continent that only rich people get to know about? No, no. I... There's no such continent. You know who's on that continent right now? Who, MC Hammer? Make fun all you want. You know what he's doing? He's laughing okay, it up on right. a secret continent that you'll never know about. Right. Never even know the name you know, of it. Gregor, I'm not going to walk around like a hippie. Okay, with okay my... hey, 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 hey. You know, if it weren't for hippies, there would not be macrame, there would not be batik. No. Where do you think love came from? The hippies. The, the hippie. You warmonger. I don't think that's who you want to be, Johnny. I think you want to be noodle dancing in the park to Janis Joplin music. Well, what is noodle dancing? It's waving your hands like they were cooked noodles. You do that, and you're halfway on the way to MC Hammer. That's how MC Hammer started out. Okay, all right, dancing. enough. Gregor. All right, Johnny, are you still up for bowling tonight? I, w- w- since when do we go bowling? Barefoot bowling. No. Sticking I... it to the rental guy. Saving $2 at the shoe rental. You know, and Better traction. Squeaking down the runway of the bowling alley. They, you have to rent those shoes. All it says is you can't go bowling in your street shoes. doesn't say anything about barefoot. That's the way the sport originated. I'm not going... I like having shoes, okay? Which is why I went into your house last night while you were sleeping, went into your closet, took all your shoes, put them in a sack. I, you, you, this is what I call operation for your own good. You did not go into my house. Did it done. If, the, if that is so, Greg, I'm not at home right now. If that is so. You're getting them Johnny, back. It's too late for that. I took them and threw them in the bay. Those shoes are halfway to the Gulf of St. Lawrence right now, my friend. Why would you go down to the river to get rid of shoes? Well, if Goodwill doesn't want them because they stink, you do the math. You know what? I still have a pair of shoes. Yeah, well, right? and kiss your shoes goodbye because I'm coming down to the studio after lunch and I got my tin shears with me and I'm going to snip up your shoes. You're not coming feet. over here. You're not touching my shoes. Sitting on the bus barefoot with little slivers of shoes and you're going to be thinking, gee, I wish this bus had a waterfall to distract me from my cold feet because I'm barefoot on the bus. Friday. I call my friend David up and ask if he wants to get some lunch. He declines. You sure forget about lunch and just snack, he says. Snacking is a very evolved human endeavor. How's that, I ask. I just saw a news report, he says, about how in three billion years, a day will be a month long. So, with breakfast being two weeks away from dinner and dinner being two weeks away from lunch, snacking between meals will be an evolutionary necessity. David goes on to say that, lately, he gets too stressed out about leaving the appropriate tip to even enjoy a meal out. Too much pressure under the gun, he says. 
It's enough to make me just want to eat at home. He describes to me a business idea he's just come up with that would remedy the problem of tip calculating altogether. After you're finished dining at a restaurant, he says, you phone my service for help on figuring out the tip. I tell him that there's already an iPhone type app for that, which paradoxically predates by several hundred years both the iPhone and the restaurant. It's called an abacus, I say. But still, David persists, telling me that society needs men like him to help navigate a world where tipping has gotten out of hand. I mean, I was driving in a taxi the other day, and mm-hmm. the guy was speeding through red lights. He hopped a curb, and he pulls over, and, you know, there's a little credit card machine in the back of his cab. This was in New York City, mm-hmm. and, and it's got a, a little digital screen, and it said you can tip 15%, 20%, or 25%. I mean, there was nothing below 15 There's not a 10 because I, I, I thought that 10% in oh, a no, cab is okay. No. And I said, well, listen, man, you know, you, that was a crazy drive. Like, I was telling you to slow down. He goes, 25, 25, 25, you, yelling you, it out. But you actually told him that you, that you thought he didn't do such a hot job? Yeah, I mean, I was like, listen, man, slow down. I just want to get home alive. And he was going, 25, 25, 25. So, so what did you do? What, what could I do? I did 20. It was a compromise. And he was angry at that. He was angry at that. He didn't say thank you? This is what I'm saying. This tipping culture has gone too far. I understand that people make a low wage. I understand that. But I just feel as though it's now become this tax that we have to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went to go get breakfast the other day, and I get, um, you know, a scone and a, and a latte, and I, and I give in $10, and it's, I don't know, five-something. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, do you need change with that? Do you need change? As in, I'm going to do you the favor of not having to put that change back in your wallet. Because I think I did a really good job handing over this cup of coffee and handing over the scone. So the expectation was that you were going to pay 70% as a tip. Yeah, 70%. It's, it's incredible. I, I, I now fear because I travel a lot for work. And, and when I go to a hotel, mm. I'm afraid to go outside more than once. Because every time, in and out, it's cost me $5. You know, the doorman opens the door and, and puts his hand out. I mean, I've started looking for, for back entrances. I mean, I, I've actually tipped 15% after actually having a waitress insult me. It's, it's completely disconnected from service at this point. Because the 15%, mm. that's the bare minimum. Unless you spill scalding oil on my face during this meal, you're going to get that 15%. And then I feel that anything else above that is the actual tip. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the, here's the thing, Jonathan. Here's what I'd love to do. Because I, I think people like you and I are, are genuinely confused and intimidated by this process. And I want to set up a hotline where people can contact me and a bunch of similar representatives, and they can tell me about their service that they just received. They're sitting in the back of a taxi. They're hiding out in the bathroom at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they can say, listen, here's what happened. What type of tip should I give? And, and I can weigh these various factors. So what are, what are, what are you proposing? What, what okay. would be a part of your criteria? You know let's, let's play it out. Let's role play it. Okay. Tell me about your last meal. The last meal you had out. You know, just a hamburger place you know, near the CBC. Okay, so you go to sit down. Mm-hmm. Does the waiter or the waitress pull out the chair for you? Well, in this case, I, I was actually sitting at the, the counter on, on a stool. Okay, did they spin the stool for you? Why, why would I want them to spin the stool? That's playful. That's value added right there. Okay. Well, uh, I don't think she spun the stool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. Did she call you sweetie or hun? How about hun? Hun's good. 
I think at one point she might have referred to me as Mon Petit. Mon Petit, my little one. Yeah. Okay. So what did you get? Tell me what you got. Uh, hamburger, french fries, a soda. It was, I, I would say, about $10. What was the water situation? Uh, she did bring me a glass of water. How many times did she refill that water? I don't think she did. So no other water was offered. Okay. She hands you the bill. Mm-hmm. Was there a smiley face in the back of the bill? No, there wasn't. I think I would have noticed that. No smiley face. Okay. Let's calculate your tip for this. First of all, no one gives less than 15%, right? We've, we've established that. Okay. And let's say 25 is if she sat down on your lap, spoon-fed you every bite, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the meal, she would wipe your face with some um, cashmere or linen cloth, depending on the season. Mm-hmm. That's 25. So we're working in that 10% range. Okay. So let, let's go over what you have there. So Mon Petit, that was a cute little nickname, something you two will always have together. Um, no stool spin, no smiley face. So on ten dollars, just gonna carry the two. I think we're gonna have to go with eleven ninety-five. And how do you imagine you'll be making money off of this service? I was thinking, you know, I'd work off tips. Who is gonna tip for this service? I I, I wouldn't offer a tip for for sitting for like ten minutes in the bathroom having a conversation Listen, with you. We're in the early stages. The process will be. And, I mean, who would tell me what to tip you, if not you? Who's well, that's the beauty. That? See, we can subcontract that out. It's a never-ending cycle of tipping. I mean, this is going to stimulate the economy. This is going to employ dozens, if not hundreds, of people. Shortly after I put the phone down with David, Gregor calls up imploring me to buy foot powder before implementing Operation Barefoot. I try to change the subject by telling him about David's idea, about human tip calculators replacing the electronic ones. It sort of reminds me of your barefoot in theory, I say, in the sense that it also sounds like a step backwards on the ladder of technological evolution. It's not a step backwards, he says. If the bicycle came after the automobile, you'd think it was an improvement. Bicycle travel is cheaper, healthier, more energy-efficient, and better for the environment. People would have called the bicycle progress. Although hard for me to admit, Gregor might actually be right. But just think of the implications. Pneumatic tubes replacing email, carrier pigeons supplanting telephones. I can just see myself now, barefoot, after a large meal, releasing pigeons out the restaurant window and making small talk with the waiter until their return. Hey, Johnny. Howard? What, yes. what, are, what are you doing in the studio? What am I always doing in the studio, John? I don't I'm know. I'm here to make your day. No, Howard. Yeah, no. I'm here to make your day. Howard, I don't want you to make my day. I am now running a live webcam, puppy cam, with uh, Bruce and Desmond. Your 150-pound pugs. Yes, my full-grown adult those pugs. Those drooling, violent dogs of yours. I... One looks like Ernest Borgnine, and the other one looks like Polly from Rocky. They're beautiful doggies. Well, that's great, Howard. I'm sure that's a lot of fun for you. But w- w- why why have you come to the studio? I want you to plug the live webcam feed on your radio show. I will not do that. Puppy cams are for cute dogs. These are not cute dogs. I just... I. I thought this would be interesting that people would want to see my dogs interact 
you know, 24 on 24. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are also archives. Oh, that would be important. Yeah. For just the thoroughness. Both of the... the magic moments so people can just relive them over and over and over and over and over again. How beautiful. So what, what, are, what are these magic moments? Uh, there are a few that stand out. Oh, God. The cutest one, it's one time um, I was at the butcher and he gave me a whole bag full of entrails. And little Bruzy, don't ask me how, he got into it. I walk into the kitchen. Thankfully, the cameras were on. And he is just covered in blood and gore. It was like the end of Taxi Driver. Remember when De Niro was all covered with blood? You that, know? Howard, that doesn't sound cute at all. Um, there's another great um, uh, one. Uh, if you look it up, it's where. Um, why am I even telling you this? Watch, watch, watch. Is this? Is this? Are you? Yeah, Howard, are you online no, here? Got, I'm writing on. Let me just X this out. No, 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 here. Howard. Howard, let me save. No, no changes. No. no, no. How, oh, did you want that? Howard, that was this week's monologue. Anyway, look. Watch this. Go through this site here. There we go. All right, here we are. So here's my site. Pugsabilities? That's, that's the name good. of your website. Yeah, I thought it's pretty good. Pugsabilities. Think that's... of the Pugsabilities because oh, these pugs have abilities. All right. Okay. Now, see, if you go to the archives here, mm-hmm. no, don't take my word for it. Go to the archives. Here we go. Here's some past footage, and you can see the hits. Look at that. That's way more than whatever wiretap hits you get. That's on. the amount of hits? Yeah. 178,000. Absolutely. For the one where they're – what is that? They're wearing – is that adult diapers? Yeah, they're wearing diapers. What, why? Why, Howard? Why would you do that? Because it's cute in the little pug babies. There's nothing cute about it. This one's called Imagine. Because when I played the John Lennon tune Imagine for the dogs, it's a, a beautiful tribute to the memory of, of the great artist. What? what? And when, uh, when I played, you'll notice they start to howl. Why are they howling like that? I don't know. This song somehow inspires them. And then watch what happens. Two. And there they go. Look at that. They're, what are they? I think they're literally trying to kill each other. Wow, they're really going for it. Look at them fight. It's a really beautiful tribute to uh, I, I, I don't know what. That, that, that almost got the most hits. But then there's this one here. Mm-hmm. You can see I built a little set. And it's uh, basically them as if they were old men on a park bench smoking cigars and, and how did you get? And how did you get them to sit on the bench like that? I used crazy glue on the diapers. Eric, look at them struggling. You, you, you can't do that to dogs. It's just a little prank. They do pranks on me all the time. They, it's just, it's just, we have this as a part of our rapport. That you do pranks on each other. We do pranks on each other, yeah. The other day, this is really crazy. The other day, I was just kind of lying in the hot bathtub. I had mamas and papas on the boombox just taking it easy. And, like, they nudged the boombox into the bathtub. Oh, my God. Did I get a shock? Jonathan, I was shaking for, like, 20 minutes after. Howard, you could have died. I could have, but I didn't. And then that's the, that's the beauty of a prank. You know, and those are good memories. And... Oh, this one's funny. You'll get a kick. Mm-hmm. Howard, why is Desmond behind the wheel of my car? Yeah, you recognize that, eh? That, well, I recognize my car. He's driving. No, he's not. Yeah, he's actually driving. Howard, how is he driving a car? He knows how to drive. How is a dog driving my car? They're a good team. Bruce is sitting on the gas pedal. When did you get my car? Remember that day I said I had to take my uncle to the hospital? You said it was an emergency. What, what am I going to tell you? I'm, I'm going to you know here. Let my dogs drive your car in a field. Think about how ludicrous that sounds, Jonathan. That's what you did. Yeah. No, I guess I did. But I mean, it's entertaining, and and this will live on forever. God, Howard. Hey, you know, now, here, let, let me show you the webcam. Watch it live. You can see you're upset. This brings joy and smiles. So now this this is the live stuff. This is this is what they're doing right now. This is the kitchen, and there's Brucey. I'm not sure what he's doing. There's Desmond. You can see Desi. And Howard, l- look over to the right top corner of the screen 
behind the kitchen table. It, it looks like the, the, the elements look reddish, like, like, like the stove is on. It is on. What do you, what do you mean the stove is I on? I leave the stove on. What's the... You leave the stove on Absolutely. when you go out of the house. Basically for speed. I mean, when I come home, if I want a pot of tea, I just throw it on. The element's hot. I mean, we can't all afford a microwave, John. We're not also privileged, excuse me. I mean, you know, maybe like, the, you know, why ha- spend, you know, time in, Howard. you know, preheating a stove? Howard. It's always preheated. Howard. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I like to make myself a grilled cheese L- or something. Look at the you know, screen. Like, what is that? Is that a magazine? They're dragging paper onto the element, Howard. Is it some kind of circular? Some kind of... Oh... Oh, my God. Oh, that's Maxman number 86. Oh, my God. It's my copy of She-Hulk. How- Howard, it looks like the curtains are catching on fire. John, I gotta go. John, I, okay. I gotta go. all right, Howard. I got some Batgirls in there, too, and Miss Marvel. No, no. You watch the camera. Give me the keys to your car. Uh, Howard, I'm not John, gonna... there's no time to deal with Give me the keys to your car. Just be careful with the yeah, car. Yeah, 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 it's okay. Just call in. Leave a message on the answer. She turned to his track. I'm gonna head back. Oh, my God, I'm Miss Marvel. My back is right. On Wiretap Today, you heard Reversal, a short story by David Eagleman from his book, Some, 40 Tales from the Afterlives. It was read by Katie Malik. You also heard Gregor Ehrlich, David Sachs, and Howard Chakowitz. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Bertwintonic and Crystal Duhame. Tune into Wiretap Saturdays at 1.30 and Thursday evenings at 11.30. Or subscribe to the podcast through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap, where you can also download the latest wiretap ringtone. I'm here to make your day. Yeah, I'm here to make your day. Be thankful Howard can't get anywhere near your day with every ring of your phone.